With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Yes, yes, and yes. Welcome, 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 and thank you so much for being with us. Each week, you loyal listeners feel the blazing flames of coincidences, and by far the biggest compliment you can give us is spreading the word about this show, because word of mouth is how we grow. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you so very much. The dog that trots about finds the bone. That's how serendipity works. Yeah, the dog that trots about finds the bone. Serendipity guides me to find guests for this show. Lately, I've been finding people who confirm my personal experience with nature, that nature is conscious and can communicate with us if we are interested and alert. Our guest today communicates with horses. I recently found another person who had a year-long relationship, yes, with an octopus that he used to call liquid superstar. She lived off the coast of South Africa, and naturalist Craig Foster said this, nature is a brain. It is an intelligent network of neural matrices that can actually communicate to a human through symbolic language. It's doing it the whole time, but mostly we don't see it or hear its voice because it gets lost in the wind of industrialized madness. It's so complex and so beautiful. Rosalind Byrne, our guest today, her life changed profoundly when she fell off a horse. Since then, she's written two books on human equine communication and has grown a growing clientele 
as an equine empath, facilitating communication, awareness, and healing between horses and their human companions. Rosalind earned her PhD in religious studies. She's an associate professor at the University of Virginia School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, where she teaches engineering ethics. As a scholar, she has explored the intersecting realms of emerging technologies, science, fiction, and myth, and the links between the human and non-human worlds. She's authored two award-winning books in the body-mind-spirit genre, one, When the Horses Whisper, 2013, and a Nautilus Book Award silver winner, Waking Beauty, came out in 2016. Welcome to the show, Rosalind. Oh, good morning. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to have you. Now, I think one time we were talking before about that falling off the horse thing, and that was so dramatic because it, it changed your life. And I'd like our listeners to know what happened when that horse and you parted ways. Yes, I was in Costa Rica, and I was there for the purposes of finishing a, a, a science fiction novel I was working on, but I also was there to grieve the end of a 30-year marriage. I was by myself, sequestered in a cottage in the forest for days. And after about five days, I thought I need to get out and get some fresh air. So I went on a trail ride. And I went on the trail ride with the woman who owned the facility where I was staying and about four other guests. I was at the back of the line of five horses, five, six horses. We crossed the River Arenal. And I was sort of having a lovely, relaxing time and I don't know actually how it happened exactly, but I slid off of the saddle and down into the water. And I remember this, this, the feeling of the, uh, the scene, the light shining through the particulate matter of the water as it went by. And then I stood up and I started laughing, like for joy, gleeful laughing. And I can't quite explain that either, <clears throat> except that something had changed in me. But I looked up at the horse that had now climbed up onto the bank, and he looked back at me in trepidation. He was so upset. So I pat him on his butt, and I said, I'm just fine, Teton. And I climbed back on to continue the ride. And that's when I realized something was really different. And how did you realize that something was really different? Because I heard Teton speaking to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's the whole thing right there uh, you were you were you were in the river and the horse looked back at you and was you could tell and horses don't have facial expressions exactly but they do kind of if you look and their eyes tell you a lot and so you could tell that teton was concerned about what had happened to you but it was more than that you oh, heard yes. you heard him talking with you. What tell us about that? Well, I <laughs> I heard him say, I can't believe that happened. No one's ever fallen off of me before. Did you get hurt? Will I be in trouble? I think I'm going to be in trouble. I didn't do my job. And he was going on and on and on and on like that. I didn't do my job. My job is to keep people safe who ride on my back. And you fell off. How did that happen? Did I do that? Did you do that? Are you okay? And he just was incessant. And he was just, and I finally interrupted him. And I said, Titan, I'm fine. I'm fine. And so then he stopped and calmed down. And it's as if we were both talking to each other in our heads. It's not as if he was moving his mouth like, you know, in the Mr. Ed show, and I wasn't moving my mouth, and it wasn't audible in our ears, but there was this flow of a conversation. And I was so, I was feeling so alive in a way I had not remembered feeling before. And it just felt totally natural to be in this conversation with Teton. And I, I, the name for that I use is telepathy. Right. Right. And, 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 and he was talking in, and this is what people ask me when I communicate with trees, is a tree talking in English to me? And uh, what I, all I can say is I hear it in English. I don't know what the tree is doing. Well, that's right. And the thing is that um, I'll, I'll finish the story about Titan because it's important, but I will say that over the years since that's happened, now that I have clients and I, and I work with people, um, I don't hear it as precisely 
as if uh, uh, there's a conversation anymore, but I feel I, I still hear it and can translate it. And it's, it's not as concrete as it was with Teton. With Teton, we continued for about 10 minutes talking and I was reassuring him everything was fine. It wasn't his fault. There was no reason for him to get in trouble. And then at the very end, he asked me, he said, you can really hear me, can't you? You can really understand me, as if he was surprised. And I said, I can. And then Titan responded, then I need your help. Would you help me? I said, well, how can I help? Tell Debbie, and Debbie's the name of the woman who owns this facility, tell Debbie she's wrong. She's wrong about me. I don't need to go back for more training. I just need a break once in a while. And so what happened was that it's essentially, this corroborated the fact that I was hearing this horse because when I told her, she was really surprised and she demanded to know, how do you know about that? How do you know about that? Because, in fact, the state wait, of wait, You told her, I don't want to just be clear with our audience, you told her that Teton didn't really need to go back for training. Oh, no. I told her that Teton had a message for her. Oh, <laughs> and she said, what? She didn't. She looked at me, you know, cross-eyed because that doesn't make sense to, to people, generally speaking. I also waited till the other tourists were gone. You know, I had dismounted and I went to the back into the tack room and quietly said, I have a message for you from Teton. He's asked me to relay to you. And she she looked at me funny and I told her. And then actually I left and went back and took a shower and rested. And it wasn't actually until dinner she came up to me. And, and, and was almost, um, well, I, I don't know what, how to say this, but flummoxed, but she was, um, how do you know that? How do you know do, about that? How do you know that Teton was going to be sent for more training? It turns out that she and her stableman had been discussing this the week before I was there. I was not in the presence of the conversation, but it had happened. And they had talked about how he was not doing what he really should do on the trails. And maybe he needed to go back for more training. And he was adamantly clear that he knew exactly what he needed to do. He just needed a break. So she was really taken aback. And that's when I realized, oh, gosh, this is real. This is real. How do you think that plop in the river made this happen? I have contemplated that question for a while. The best I can come up with is that uh, I was in the process of letting go in my life, in you know, marriage and all that, letting go, letting go, and trusting, trusting, letting go. And as I slid off that saddle, I had two split-second choices to make. One was to hold on for dear life, clench and panic. And the other was to completely release. And in a split second, I completely released. And I think in that process, something else must have released it in me. Something else must have opened. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the one of the variables that seems to increase coincidences uh, is made up of three parts. Uh, and one of them, you were right in the middle of a major life stress, which is uh, a marriage ending after 30 years. That's that's high on the list of stressors. Um, and you had a need um, for something. You wanted a little you wanted some clarity. And you certainly had a lot of emotion right then because you were falling off the horse. That was that was an emotional situation. And so weird things happen when um, regular reality's web gets torn. And I, that's a, another way of saying that what you are what you described as the letting go and that decision to let go became something that uh, became part of your experience. And you let something in that otherwise would not have been in. And we're coming to the end of this segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're talking with Rosalind Byrne, author of Waking to Beauty.
Patty Conklin grew up in Brooktondale, New York with a unique ability. Unlike others, she could see how the vibration of words and emotions affected the physical body. She discovered how to release stored emotion and facilitate healing. This began today's Conklin method of cellular cleansing. The private practice grew with tremendous results, as did her reputation. More and more people sought her out, bringing her into the home for healing. She soon realized she could even teach this to others, and they could shift perception and thus prevent illness from occurring. Patty Conklin quickly became a frequent keynote speaker, and she developed a curriculum for teaching the Conklin method of cellular cleansing. For more information, visit pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N, pattyconklin.com, or call 404-474-0086. That's 404-474-0086. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're speaking with Rosalind Byrne, author of Waking to Beauty and a person who communicates with horses. Uh, you were quite startled to get confirmation uh, that Tutan was being planned to get out and get some more training. <clears throat> did they, uh, did, did Debbie listen to you and, uh, and give him a break? Uh, yes. Not only did she listen to me, but um, I, I was packing to leave that day, um, that next day, and she asked me at breakfast if I would come down to the stable uh, to, to talk to one of her other horses who she was very concerned about. And um, I didn't really know what, what I was doing. <laughs> I had some capacities as a very young child with uh, communicating with those who had passed over um, into death, but it, it had gone away. And so I, I really wasn't practiced. I didn't know about horses. I, I didn't know much about horses at all, let alone communicating with them. So I resisted and told her, I really don't think I can help you, but she was persistent. And I ended up um, learning that this particular horse, and that no one knew this, but this particular horse um, needed to be left by herself in a pasture. She had been um, kicking back when people were on her, and uh, Debbie was going to actually get rid of her. And when I told the horse that she really needed to let us know what was going on, because the, otherwise they would have to send her away, she gave me a vision and the vision was of um, her in a field. And I could see the field pretty clearly. So I told Debbie, and so we went to look for the field. And we had to pass through a gate. And 
when we passed the gate, I recognized it. And she said, well, that horse, Hitana, has been opening this gate so much we had to reinforce it. And I said, well, she's, she's desperate. You've got to put her there by herself for a while. I don't know why, but she's telling me she has too much responsibility for the herd right now. Well, it turns out, I learned, there's something called a lead mare. And the lead mare is essentially responsible for the herd. And Hitano is that, and I did not know that when she told me. So the long story short is, I left, Debbie did, in fact, put her alone in that pasture. And about a week later, Debbie called me. I was back at my home uh, in the U.S. She called me from Costa Rica and said, I want you to know it turns out that that mare, Hitana, was pregnant and she lost her foal in a miscarriage. So what the, the lesson there was that, that that mare knew she was pregnant, knew the baby was in trouble and needed to take her time and energy that normally she would have put on responsibility for the herd and put it on that pregnancy. And so Debbie was uh, respectful enough of what she was hearing to follow the wishes of that mare. And in fact, she also did that with Titan. I've been back to that facility many times. In fact, When the Horses Whisper, that first book um, is based on conversations with the horses there, including Titan. And Debbie has now come to a point where she routinely sort of checks in with the horses themselves as part of her work with um, equine-facilitated learning and therapy. And I would like to encourage anyone who has a horse to trust them and attempt to understand because they're, they're aware, they're, they're cognizant, they're sentient, they're intelligent. And it really changes our relationships with animals when we accept that and foster it in our, you know. How did you, how did you explain to Debbie uh, for, how to de- for how to communicate with her horses? Well, I think over time she just, she, she learned herself. I think what she watched me so much and what I get is pretty direct but she's starting to develop that for herself just by asking the horse by the willingness to listen and to trust and then trusting herself and that's the thing with um, telepathy and 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 psychic knowing I, I do believe that it is a birthright of our humanity that is the it is the birthright of 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 life it's part of life and um, earlier you were saying that sort of the, the, the chaos of technology, I'm not sure the wording you used, you quoted the octopus guy, but um, I think that we, we unlearn it. Our, our formal schooling takes it away because we shift to the other part of the brain and, and then um, denigrate the part of the brain that gives us that other way of knowing. But when you allow it and you start trusting it, as Debbie began to do, and she very much has done it in her in her work with other people, then the horses are more <laughs> they're more um, inclined to try to communicate with you. Yeah, it, it starts with belief. Um, you have to believe it's possible to communicate with the horse. If you don't have that belief, it's not going to happen. And then. You try to find a way but to communicate to the horse that you are there to uh, communicate with the horse. You're open to being able to hear, hear or understand what they're trying to say to you, what they, need, what they need to be able to say to you. I just was walking in the woods and ran into a guy with a, whose dog was hiding behind his legs. And, uh, and I looked at the dog and said, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be afraid of you. You're not supposed to be afraid of me. You're a dog. And I kept saying that to her. And after a while, she just leaped happily from behind his legs mm. and let me pet her. Mm. Uh, it, it's to believe that you can communicate with them st- is the start of it. And then to try to find a way that it will work for you. Some people are probably better with horses than and others with dogs and others with cats. And people who have animals around the house and know they can communicate with them. What what I what I like to be able to get people to do is know that uh, that plants too have consciousness, with with which we can do something like what you're doing with the horse. There's a there's a researcher in um, Italy named Stefano Mancuso, and I actually went to see him because I was more and more wanting to understand about the, the consciousness and the sentience of all life. And he's doing this amazing research where he takes those uh, 
he takes film that he slows. What's the, uh, the technical term when you slow down film? Really, really, really slow. Anyway, and he puts it on plants and he watches them. And then he speeds it up, of course, to see what's going on. And he said the only reason why people don't realize just how intelligent plants are is because they express it at a pace that we don't perceive. But when he watches the film that he speeds up, he said that plants are competitive, they're crafty, they're manipulative, they, trick, <laughs> they do things to trick other species to feed them and support them. And he said that if you define intelligence as the capacity to solve problems, they are probably the, one of the more intelligent species on the planet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and trees move even slower than a lot of smaller plants. Yes, but now we know. Now we know what's happening at the root system is pretty sophisticated sharing of information in order to support other trees and uh, the, the, the relationship between the fungi and the root system and the trees. It's, uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. I wonder, should... about, I wonder about those trees that I saw uh, on, a, on a, a deck uh, 19 floors up in a, outside an apartment in New York City that each of them are beautifully growing, but each is in a pot. So they don't have roots to communicate with. Mm, good point. They do still have the chemicals that they release from their leaves and they can send information to other plants through those. That's my I mean, understanding. Well, that's still the materialistic way of looking at them. I think there's still that same telepathy-like capacity that uh, you have with horses that plants and trees can have with each other. I think they are also communicating above ground and means in addition to chemical uh, chemicals among and between them. Perhaps in ways we just haven't learned how to measure or detect with the instruments that we use for the material world. Exactly. So I was up there looking at some, looking at the king and queen uh, trees that I communicate with for the last uh, nine or ten years, nine years about, and and um, this time it wasn't as it usually had been. It was like um, there were the two trees, and there was a third one behind them that I learned about only recently. And I stood there as a fourth tree, and I became part of them. Uh, I, I wasn't that different from them this time. And, and that's been happening in that direction. But there were the four of us, and then they, they connected me further with the trees around them, one, showed me more clearly the environment and they're in, the neighbors they have. And then they said, uh, I know, we know you like uh, water, so go down by a, a waterfall and listen over there. Yeah, I, um, I, I don't. I don't think I have that capacity that you have with trees, but I can tell you that the place I most consider church is Muir Woods in California. Yeah, yeah. Especially when there are no people there. I like to go off-season when there are no people there. There's something that happens to me there that I can't quite put to words, but it is a feeling of connection with something ancient and wise. If you go up uh, the road to Mount Tamalpais, past the entrance to Muir Woods uh, and park, you can go down and and enter the backside of Mirror Woods, Ooh. And, and it's you got to go down a hill to get there, but it it will give you a similar feeling whether there are people there or not because if there are not too many, there aren't people back there. And around here in Charlottesville, uh, those trees I was talking about uh, are in Mint Springs, which is near um, Crozet, mm -hmm. uh, and that's my place. But each of us have our own capacities, and that's what. Uh, that's what I'm trying to be able to have people do is like what kinds of beings can you uh, interact with? And you're showing us horses. Uh, I don't have that because I don't I haven't been around horses. Probably I like dogs that I can do it with and, and trees. That's that's my groups. Those are my groups. And it, it, other people will have different ones. The point of what we're making here, you and I, Rosalind, is saying that people have to believe in the capacity to communicate with the sentient beings around them. And that, in, that includes whatever is around them. And they can do it if they believe it and start going for it. We're coming to the end of this segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We are talking with Rosalind Byrne, author of Waking to Beauty.
audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 404- Four seven four zero zero eight six. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to CC with BB. Yes, I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We are speaking with Rosalind Byrne, author of When the Horses Whisper. And let's let's stay with the horse one for a little bit uh, more because uh, I, I'm guessing, and I think you indicated that uh, coincidences seem to happen with you around horses too. Could you tell us about that? Oh, gosh. Um, well, they're just now a part of my life in such a significant way. It feels like family. Uh-huh. Um, and so, for example, um, when I was a little girl, um, I I was exposed to horses through a summer camp. And um, I was very attached to a horse named um, Aladdin. And it felt like uh, not a, a direct communication like I have as an adult where I hear the words, but more the presence of a being that was supporting me and some of my sadness and some of my confusion. And I think a lot of children resonate with animals because the animals, particularly horses, are so sensing of us. They're heart-centered beings. They, have, they pump a lot more blood per minute than we do because that is their major organ. And something about that heart-brain connection opens to the telepathy, the intuition that's possible. And they sense us so directly that they can read and feel and pick up our vibrations, the frequencies of our, of our thinking, and therefore they are very supportive to the healing process. 
So a lot of what I've seen is just how horses can stand with us and um, reflect back what's going on with us. So sometimes what's going on with a horse is actually what's going on with you, a mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. So here's an example. Um, someone called the other day and said, I wish you were here in North Carolina. My horse is walking really funny. I don't know what's wrong with them, but they're walking really funny and the vet doesn't get it. And, and the chiropractor is trying, but and so I said, well, send me, send me a, a video. And so I sort of knew what was going on, but I wanted to be sure. And in the video, the person is holding the lead and pulling the horse gently towards them. And the horses, it's like they're crossing the front of their legs. It's like they're pigeon-toed or something. And, it, and I started laughing because it was really clear to me that the camera was on the horse looking at this person as she was pulling him. It was clear to me that it was baloney. It was completely a fake. He was faking that he couldn't walk right. And the reason he was doing it is because she races horses. And uh, he wanted her to stop racing because he was concerned about the integrity of her riding and whether or not she was safe any longer on his back. He was trying to protect her. So he's pretending that he couldn't walk. And when she put a saddle on him, he would shrug it off and she couldn't put it on. So what I had to tell her was, this is about you. This is about your horse trying to protect you. And I think that, um, that that was his way of communicating with her, not by saying, don't ride me anymore, it's dangerous, but by going crisscross on his legs. That's so, cool. That's mm, very cool. Mm. And uh, you're, you're, you're indicating a couple of things about you that made talking with horses uh, more possible because you were able to, in the past when you were younger, communicate with uh, people who have died. And you're also talking about a horse, Aladdin, that you were communicating with in a different way than now, but uh, communicating with anyway when you were younger. So you've had uh, experiences that have told you that it's possible to communicate uh, in ways that the modern uh, technology, modern ethos doesn't allow us to do. What what else has happened to you in the past that set you up for being able to be a horse talker, whisperer? Hmm. Well, I'm going to answer that question. And I also want to say, Gandhi once wrote a book, the title was Experiments with Truth. And I think that um, I've been experimenting with truth well, since I was pretty young, and I, I would want to encourage your listeners, just experiment. You don't have to go in either skeptical or believing. Just experiment and see what happens. That was Gandhi was trying to tell us. Experiment with meditation. See what happens. And so I think through the curiosity and the experimentation, then what happens is some kind of organ that just sort of maybe grows in us, and that capacity grows in us. Um, so here's an example of an experiment that answers your question. Let's let's go. Let's we'll do the experiment. But the organ that you're talking about, I'm curious about because I think that's true. I think there's something that develops inside of us. Would you just before you go to the experiment, how does that feel to you? And I'll give you an example from me that one day uh, many years ago, um, I, I was still writing books as I am now, and I was walking along the shores of Lake Washington in Seattle, Washington. And I experienced uh, the development in my mind of a word factory. It's like uh, this factory that produces words in a sequential, easy way. As if all the time I'd spent in the basement trying to write up until that time developed that, that machinery so that I could put out words. And I'm asking for something similar that you experience in this, oh, sure. or, this organ that's in you now for horses and, and dolphins, perhaps. Okay, so the first time I, it was visceral um, was I was uh, I was a 21 year old and I was um, in my college dorm apartment taking a shower, and I, I was clearly aware that my grandmother was sick with cancer. I didn't know quite how sick she was. I knew that she was um, at home with my mother in bed. Um, but anyway, I was taking a shower and I feel an, a vibration move from the bottom of my feet, up through my legs, up through my thighs, up through my body and out through my head within about maybe five seconds. It was like a frequency going through my body and it was out. I turned off the water. I got out and I thought, oh my goodness, what just happened? Something just happened. And then the phone rang and my mother was on the phone crying saying she's gone. She just died. 
And then about uh, maybe a year and a half later, I was sitting on the front porch of my parents' house, looking at the stars in the dark sky. This was up in Massachusetts, just relaxing, completely enjoying the sound of the cicadas and the and the and watching the sky and the warm summer air. And the same thing happened again, from my feet out through my body. And I and I thought, okay, what just happened? Uh-huh. Five minutes later, my father comes out the door and says, I have to tell you, Roz, granddad just died. And so this was a lesson for me to pay attention, pay attention, because, you know, my body, the wisdom of the body connected to the wisdom of the soul, if you will, connected to something larger in the universe, perhaps, you know, to the bloodline and the family and the love cord was speaking to me. And I think that it speaks to all of us, but we don't know that that's what's going on, so we might not pay attention. I call so, it. I call it simultaneity. I like that word. <laughs> the, the, ex, the experience of the pain of a loved one at a distance uh, is how it's defined, and sometimes it's it's directly isomorphic, same same shape as the pain that the loved one, loved one is experiencing. Mm. As I did with my father when he was choking on his own blood, and I was choking three thousand miles away. Uh, uh, and there are lots of stories like that. Uh, yes. And yours is a, a, a more subtle one. Uh, this this vibration from toes to head, but you could recognize it a second time since it's correlated with the first. And it's it's a it, it, all the things you said are ways that it happens. It mostly happens with people who are closely connected, usually family members but can be friends uh, that you're close with as well. And that's a common human experience. I'm glad you bring it up. It's worth repeating. People in our audience have experienced it. I want to confirm with them that you're not the only one. Absolutely. So, so that's, that's one of your experiences. When you are uh, the, the, the energy moving up, what about talking with with horses, communicating with horses. What is that organ like? Mm. Okay, that is, now it's funny because I asked one of the horses, Beauty, um, so it's a double entendre, Waking to Beauty is a book that talks a lot about her teachings of me, but it's also that through the teachings that the horses have given me, I'm awakening to a beauty inside of me that comes from beyond me. And when I'm talking to the horses, what she told me is that I'm connecting with the solar plexus. And I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> so she said, just like settle into the solar plexus when you want to work on this. And then I'm having to, I always meditate beforehand and I always uh, sort of put out a prayer that I'm willing to serve. And I'm willing to connect to what I call soul of horse in order to listen. And I have to sort of quiet the ego. And the ego wants to do it right and wants to be correct and wants to have the person say, oh, that's really helpful. I can't believe this. But I have to quiet that part of myself and just go to the part that's willing to listen and serve. And then I sink down into the solar plexus. And, and, it, and then I wait for the horse. And I can feel it when then the horse connects with me. And my daughter, who's a photographer, was once with me in a barn, and there um, it's a pretty big barn, and there were like 20 horses, 10 on either side of this um, center aisle. And I stopped first to meditate, and then I waited for the connection. And my daughter said that she's so visual, she noticed that when I started to meditate, all the horses got very quiet and very still. They stopped chewing, they lifted their heads, and they just stood there quietly so something was happening that was about a connection between myself and them and then with that connection happens there's an opening and i use that opening to listen and to sense in what they're trying to communicate now that's very well described um being able to let the ego float away um and getting into a a, a receptive state and allowing them to come to you uh, and, and as they pick up uh, what you're doing somehow, uh, the meditative state that you've, got, you've gotten into. That's a, that's a good description. We've come to the end of this third segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Our guest is Rosalind Byrne, author of Waking to Beauty, and that means waking to her own inner beauty besides the horse beauty.
If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're talking with Rosalind Byrne, author of Waking to Beauty and Horse When the Horses Whisper. And you talk with more than just horses. Tell us about that. 
So it's different with other beings. It's more just simply a connection, a, 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 a connection. And the most spectacular experience with this has been with dolphins and whales. Um, the first time I was on a dolphin watch uh, down in Bimini, and again, it was a matter of meditating while on the catamaran, meditating and asking. I really wanted a connection. I really wanted an experience. So I sat for meditation, and then I got into the water and continued to meditate. And our guide said, just keep diving down, keep diving down. I dove down at one point, and, and suddenly <laughs> a, a pod of about um, three dolphins was swimming around me in a circle. And they swam around me three times, and then they took off and went away. And I was stunned. Uh, it was like a, a hello, a, a hello from the universe of dolphins. And then last summer, I wanted to go for my birthday on a whale watch. And I thought, well, why don't I just try to connect and see what happens, do an experiment, and so, you know, this is a small boat. There are like 30 people on the boat. It's a research vessel. It's up in New England in New Hampshire. And so I, I sat as we were going out. It's like a, maybe a 40-minute ride out to where they thought they might see some whales. And they said, we, we, you know, we hope we see a, a few whales today. And I did a meditation and um, asked, asked if I could be um, given a gift of an experience of the whales and all I can say is by the end of that trip, I don't know that it was the meditation and the prayer, but I will say that by the end of the trip, the naturalists on that boat were telling people we have never had a watch like this ever. The, not only the number of whales, but towards the end, they were about to come back and I, I sat again, we were about to turn back and I sat again and tried to open to the, the, the spirit of the dolphin. And then as I, my eyes were closed and I was opening to the spirit of the dolphin, I heard somebody yell, 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And people went running. And there was, um, I would say, about 90 to 100, a particular kind of cold, cold water dolphin. I wish I could remember the name. And they were, they were swimming in unison and playing in the bow and around the sides of the boat. And they stayed with us for about 15 minutes before they suddenly took off. The naturalist said they'd never seen such a large pod of that particular kind of northern cold water dolphin ever on a trip. And I didn't, it, I didn't want to go to the ego place. Look what I did. <laughs> what I wanted to do was say thank you, thank you, thank you, soul of dolphin, for that birthday gift, that blessing of connection for all of us. Because everyone was touched, everyone is touched when we encounter the wild that way, as if those animals were saying, hello, we're here, we're with you, we're all connected. And it, it is a trick, it is a trick to be able to say, hey, look what I did, because <laughs> you did, because <laughs> you did, you did, it would seem, um, and we never know, blah, 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 but it, it would seem that your ability to get into that meditative state that you did with the horses that your daughter saw you do with the horses responding to you there, uh, the dolphins, the whales. Uh, it looks like you have this capacity to get into an altered state of consciousness, which is receptive enough for other species to uh, tune into and get to with you. And I think this is probably happening more often than it used to, especially in uh, Western technological civilization, mm. because all these sentient beings need our help. We, mm. are, uh, we are destroying them uh, in so many different ways. And they're coming to us not just to say hi, but just like uh, your horses in Costa Rica saying, uh, something's got to change. You got you to gotta do something for me. Let me go out in my pasture. Don't send me away for training. Keep me, help, keep me alive. These kinds of coincidences of yours right here are saying, please, we're here. So and so. So are you. And I, you reminded me of uh, one I wanted to had a little smaller version of this. I was I was walking around my neighborhood the other day um, and I do this walk fairly regularly. And 
And I started thinking about someone at dance where I make connections with people. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to do sometimes. And I made a nice heart connection with someone I danced with. We looked into each other's eyes and my heart felt something very warm for this person. And as I was walking, I, I thought of her and I thought of uh, that, that, those moments on the dance floor. And right then, this bird jumped out of the tree, jumped on the ground in front of me, took a couple of hops, and then flipped back up into a, another tree. Hmm. And, hmm. and I, I could only think that it was a smaller version of what you were doing, uh, where hmm. I got into a state that the bird could recognize and pop in and say, I'm here. Oh, that's a beautiful story. And I think I know the kind of dance you're referring to because I also do it in Charlottesville. Some call it conscious dance. Yeah. Yes, I've done that. And that's the and I think that what hap- can happen on the dance floor is you can either be completely inside yourself, which I often do. I'm just sort of in a dance with my own being, or you can open your eyes and feel the connection with others. And I agree with you that animals and plants are are um are wanting this connection. They're wanting it partly because we're at a very uh, pivotal, almost dangerous time in the in the life of, of the human, let alone the planet. And so I think we need each other. And part of what may be going on in reference to your earlier comment is that that, that need is driving the opening and the invitation um, more, more frequently for more of us. Yep, that's what I think is happening. I was um, something uh, I, I don't generally share because I don't know what to make of it. And, and it's it's very upsetting to me. But I was with Beauty, the horse, about th- three years ago, right before I wrote Waking to Beauty. It's actually the impetus for writing the book. And I was just sitting with her, listening and feeling and meditating. And she began to talk in a way that I had never heard her talk before. And it stunned me and it led me to cry. She said, the planet is in the process of repelling the human species of, because it is, it's come to a point where the planet can no longer maintain the life of the planet um, in the face of the human's behavior. And she said, um, it's not too late, but it's almost too late to stop the process. I didn't know what to make of it. It wasn't like a threat. It was more like a warning that you're running out of time. And I don't know why I heard it. I didn't know what to do with it. I was shaking. I was crying. I thought, am I making this up? Where is this coming from? How does this horse know this? But beauty is a wise being in the form of a horse. I do believe that. She's been a great teacher for me. And I think that I'm sharing that um, because I think it's not only sort of cool for us to do this, but it's essential for us to begin listening and realizing that connection. It's essential for our own survival. I, I do believe that based on what you, Beauty told me. That's so consistent with the whole thrust of our discussion today. Uh, it's just, it's what we're talking about. It is cool talking with the trees and having that bird drop down. <laughs> I love that one. And the, mm-hmm. and the connections you are making more profoundly with horses and dolphins and whales uh, and many other people are uh, making connections with with plants and animals like the octopus i mentioned at the top of the show Uh, and these are ways that that we are trying as some of us anyway to say we can't keep doing what we're doing we have to stop and pay attention to what's around us and listen to what they're saying and beauty has given you the message that needs to get out there loud and clear. And uh, I'm glad we're having a potential um, amplification of beauty's message right here on this show. I am too. And thank you so much, Dr. Beitman, for this opportunity. It means a lot to me to be able to speak this out. Um, I feel that was my commitment to her. And you are doing that. Mm -hmm. So we have about a, a couple of minutes left. What else would you like to tell us, Rosalind? Well, it's a, it's a slightly different subject, but I think it's related. Um, I'm learning from my son as well. My son has been um, diagnosed with all kinds of things, um, categorized as illness in his, in his brain. But what I'm noticing and what I see showing up in the media is that there seems to be something else going on, 
something else besides what one might call uh, psychosis or schizophrenia or, or uh, bipolar. Um, he is extremely tuned in, but it's not on the dimension that most of us experience. And I haven't known what to do with it because I've been working so hard for the last 12 years to get him well and heal him up and get him normal and get him functional. And then a TV show came on, uh, actually Amazon, called Undone. And it's about, it, it does a beautiful job of showing what looks like schizophrenia as also being seen as the capacity to reach beyond this dimension that we're familiar with into multiple and other dimensions of connection. And it's so heartwarming to me to be able to now turn to my son and look in his eyes and see the radiance of that connection that he's making and to stop categorizing him with the umbrella of illness. And it's opened my heart. And when I'm in Washington and I see people with this so-called disorder, I'm also able to connect and feel heart to heart who they are. And I am just so happy. And I want to share with your listeners that it's not just about beyond species. It's about beyond what we think is normalcy in connecting through love. Thank you very much, Rosalind. That was beautiful. You've been listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Our guest has been Rosalind Byrne, author of Waking to Beauty.